Hi everyone, my name is Bal as Princess Balisa Kambule. I am born uh, under the family of uh, the royal family of Klamini. Um, we are actually the ones that we are coming from. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi A14, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. previous state that used to be called Ochistad, uh before South Africa was then called South Africa. And uh, when they changed them to province, we used to be under the Mpumalanga province, but today it's actually called Limpombo province. My academical uh, background, I'm a civil engineer by profession of which I then furthered my studies to do my BCom accounting, as well as um, entrepreneurship studies, where I got an advanced diploma for business management. Um, I've been working as uh, the deputy president for Soweto Business Forum, where I was mostly assisting entrepreneurs um, to focus into building and uh, getting new markets for them in assisting the township economy. And also I have worked as the CEO of uh, Malibuye Investment Holding, where I've been dealing with uh, villages. Uh, if you understand the background of South Africa, the most places that everybody think they find a job is in the cities whereas uh, the villages the villagers everybody's running away from the village to flock in the city thinking that they can get a better life so my journey i've worked with about 16 villages around the country where i've been teaching and assisting the the communities, especially under the tribal communities. Uh, tribal, I'm talking about those who've got chiefs and kings and teaching them how to sustain themselves as the tribal communities that uh, they've got chances because they've got huge land where they can do farming. It's not like in the city where it's easy for you to just farm and also where I'm coming from, actually, is a place where it's very, very rich in terms of the economy of South Africa, but it's in the villages because there are full of mines. We've got about 48 to 49 big mines surrounding the area of which those mines, they were not assisting the community actually with nothing. Uh, the basic rights for the community of which there was a time I fought for, which was just just to get the clean water, which is the right for any any human being. So my journey has been that I have just been fighting, I can say that on behalf of the society, on behalf of the community, to get a better way of living as much as teaching them to build generational wealth from whatever that they have. 
So I'm also a member on our Lamina Association, which we are crying and uh, we are fighting to get our land back because uh, when you talk, say you are a Lamini, everybody thinks of Swaziland. Whereas uh, the time of the colonizers in South Africa, they divided the land and the majorities of Swazis were left in Swaziland, were left in, in South Africa now today. And the rest, uh, the ones that are inside the border, that other side, they are not even one third of us that we are left this side. So my responsibility as well on that, it was to unite all the Swazis that were in South Africa and making sure that uh, we get back what we ripped out our dignity and what was so stolen from us because we can say it was stolen because every nation that is sitting now in South Africa, they are highly recommended except Swazis. So when you say you're a Swazi, you are referred to go to a Swatin. And I've always wondered because we have other nations in South Africa, we've got Sutus, we've got people from Botswana, but we have never said they must we associate them with their countries of Lesotho, of Botswana. But immediately say you are a Lamini. Oh, you are coming from Swaziland. And it's like, why always people think that we are all born on that, uh, on that smallest country that it was cut into? Whereas here, only the Laminis in South Africa at the home affairs, the registered, there are more than 5 million and the population of Swaziland, of everyone, is 1.5 million. So it has been a journey that I've been trying to teach on that as well. That, And some of the Swazis now, they've even hidden themselves to be Swazis in South Africa because they are scared of being associated to Swaziland. If the Swazis are next to KwaZulu Natal, they will change and say they are also Zulus. If they are next to Limpombo like us, they will change and say they are babies. So we are just trying to restore and bring back our culture so that it also be recognized in a very appropriate way, like any other, uh, any nation that we are staying with in South Africa. So that has been my work and my journey. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for that, uh, Princess. I really appreciate that. Uh, that is really very interesting. Uh, now, I would like us to talk a little bit about your family background. Uh, then we can talk about uh, your people in South Africa. Then we'll, of course, go into uh, what you do today, which I find to be very valuable in terms of uh, trying to look for uh, what can be uh, the community or the village entrepreneurship because there are ways that the people in the village can raise money and be able to take care of their their necessities their needs all right now first tell me about your uh, family background so uh what, what do you want people to know about your immediate family background yeah where you are coming from your uh, your lineage as it were yeah okay um, my immediate background is that i was raised by a mother and a father which they are both late, Mr. and Mrs. Kambule. And um, I had two big sisters, so I was the last child at home, which my two sisters, they are also both late. And when we go to 
uh, in terms of the what you call um, the protocol of uh, then how do I then become to be called princess? It's because um, the King Mbanzini, which was my great grandfather, he gave birth to King uh, Palani. Palani gave birth to King Swape. Swape gave birth to another uh, uh, King Maisela. Maisela then gave birth to King Palani, and then King Palani gave birth to my father. And that is how I am a princess. How is a throne uh, of your lineage? Help me explain that a little bit from the genealogy that you just uh, lay out. So who is, who is the head to the throne as we currently talk? The person that uh, is currently on the throne is my aunt, which is the sister to my dad. I'll explain why. On 1968, when they separated, when they started to put on the fence that today now we are calling it a border, a border to separate Swaziland and uh, in South Africa. At that time, it was Transvaal, and the king that was sitting on the throne, it was King Mpanzin. The time uh, the fence came in, he was on the other side of the fence, which he was at Kualubamba in Swaziland. And he continued, he left this family, this side. And then there was a family that he started that side of which he gave birth to King Bunu. And King Bunu gave birth to King Sobuza. King Sobuza then gave birth to King Swati the third, the one that is sitting on the throne. While on this other side of the fence, it was then my family that was left. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for, you know, everything about African uh, tradition and culture is something that we need to continue to learn and to learn about it, uh, um, how it functions and, and all of that. All right, that, that is fine. And when it's Royal Highness come around just now, he will also explain some other parts in it. But I would like to concentrate on on the village entrepreneurship, or the rural entrepreneurship, if you were to put it like that, because uh, there are uh, a few things that you lay out there in your initial uh, statement. So I would like us to talk a little bit about that. Uh, first, you talked about the mining in your community, uh, which are uh, the, where the people, the local people, are not benefiting from it. So now you're trying to introduce a kind of um, um, generational wealth idea into the how to create income for themselves, which is something really valuable because, like you pointed out, most of these chiefs and uh, in the in the rural setting have a lot of land, and this land can actually be turned into resources. Maybe at the end of the day, what might be lacking now uh, is the mindset, is the resources. To be able to do that because people maybe they do not know that they do not know what they're supposed to do or maybe they do not have the the ability to do what they have to do so at the end of the day it becomes a little bit challenging for them uh, to live by the resources of their land so uh, first help me understand what is actually big mind in your area uh the big mines that i'm talking about talking of uh, big mines that mine platinum and chrome our area is very, very rich in terms of uh, chrome. So um, let me just go back a little bit. For me to start my journey 
I was then asked by one kingdom, which was called Mamburu Kingdom. Okay, thank you, so your Highness, for, for joining us. Uh, so we'll be talking before you came in. Uh, right now, you are here, and the princess is uh, here, who I'll be telling us a bit about her background. Now that you are here, uh, would you like to say something to the audience that are listening to us, uh, why princess was crowned? Uh, of course, you are the paramount chief. Um, you are the one that crowned her. Can you say something about, will you say something to that effect? Okay. Royal greetings to all listeners and uh, those who are watching us live. As the paramount chief of Africa, Princess of Africa emerged uh, some years back. And the first princess um, passed on. And we say migrated before the second princess. And this second princess that you are seeing is also a royalty. She came from a royal background and that necessitated the choice of choosing her as the uh, princess of Africa. I must tell you that it's not personal. She wasn't just taken. Uh, I dreamt about her. And uh, after dreaming about her, I called her. We had some chats. We had different uh, delegations, deliberation, and also we come to a point where we then say, no, she deserves to be the princess of Africa. As a Glamini person, which, of course, is part of Swaziland. And being part of Swaziland, and they are like the Swazis in South Africa. And through all that, she will explain more to you. There are several reasons why she was picked up to say be the second princess, which is Princess of Africa the second. And Princess of Africa the second, because we had the first, and the first migrated. And after her migration, the seat was then vacant. We did not just replace her immediately. We respected her to at uh, least take a process of a year plus before we replaced that position. All SWAP federational members, kings and chiefs, and network of African kings are in support of it. All network of African kings, members, and founders, and founding fathers, their hands are on it. SWAP federation, their hands are on it. The diaspora, which is uh, our diasporan brothers are also part of the coronation of the princess of Africa. Having said this, there are so many other areas I would have been touching, but I will progress to it. Um, before I ask the princess to tell me more about the activity in her place, because she really did uh, point out some interesting thing that I think we should be talking about a lot. Um, 
uh, in Africa and among Africans, which is the, the possibility of generating income among the local people where they should be able to benefit from their land. She said something very interesting there, but anyway, I'm coming to her. Uh, now, the question is, when you say princess of Africa, what does it mean? Can you say something to that effect? What does it actually represent? What is that office? What is it supposed to do? As the princess of Africa, they said we have the father and mother in the house to anchor the affairs of home. It then means that as the princess of Africa, we have coronated her to make sure that the presence of women are felt on a high level on African uh, network of kings, Swaf Federation in the gatherings of royalties. We must have a top delegate of a woman who can represent the affairs of women. And in other ways, representing the affairs of women and children, it goes together. And as we have her on that position, she is also a royal emissary to carry out several activities in the kingdom on the feminine aspect of the royalties. We also challenge her to move into several ventures that will benefit some kingdoms on the issue of women abuse, which of course is the order of the day presently. We say that uh, in the past, we speak about women less as a weaker sex, excuse my language. But then it's not what it is. It is not what it is. Women are our better house. Women are the owners of home. Women are the keepers of home. And that is the reason why it necessitated that if we then put her here as the paramount chief of Africa, we'll be going into several kingdoms as a mediator and a coordinator of several kingdoms. She herself will be doing the same job on the feminine aspect. To sum the whole thing up, we have her here as the image of women on royalty. And as you know, there are some wars that men cannot carry alone. And then those war requires the strength of a woman. And that is why her position is necessitated. I didn't know if I've answered your question. Absolutely. You have answered it. Thank you so much for that. All right, now I come back to you, uh, Princess. Um, before you were explaining to me about the mining activity in your in your place, so you were like sort of going back to sort of lay the background on the story. I don't know if you want to continue from there. I think it's very important because, like I said, this is an important argument relating to how to be able to create income within the local community. We need to benefit from our land, and we need to benefit from what we know. Please go ahead. All right. No, I was just explaining that years ago, I was then called by one kingdom, which is called Mampuru Kingdom. 
and um, I was employed there. I've worked there as a CEO for five years. And the reason I was called, it was because where the kingdom is and situated, it's surrounded by 19 mines with less than 10 kilometer radius apart. But that kingdom was the most poorest kingdom ever you can think of. So when they called, they were then asking for assistance from me that how can they best um, get the mines into, into employing their youth and also into making sure that they come out of poverty. And when I started working, I had this whole energy of saying, you know what, we are, we are with the rights of the DMR, meaning the Department of Minerals in South Africa, these mines, they have full responsibility to take care of these people. But along the conversations and along the time being wasted, sitting on boardrooms every time, these people were still dying in poverty. So that is when it actually started to say, let us check what do we have in the land that we can then try and work on it so that it alleviates the poverty. And we build whatever that we can build and the generational wealth out of it. And we successfully designed uh, a city called Mampura City from that because the land was there, it was available. It was just the matter of how do we put our heads together into making sure that this land, it can be changed and be commercialized and be residential as well. We can have uh, build factories on the, on the same land and still create our own jobs from the same land. Although I left after doing the whole master plan, but it's something that now the community knows that for them is not only just to depend or rely on the, the government or the mines that are nearby, but with their land, they can do so much. They can focus on agriculture. That land, because there's a mining area industry around, it's not easy for you to do farming for food. But then we then discovered that if they can start to do cotton, they can be the biggest exporter of cotton in South Africa. So that is when now the different villages started to engage and asking for my help. That is how then I went to different kingdoms into teaching them of using and utilizing their own land in order for them to survive. Thank you so much for that, Princess. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's his royal highness want to say something uh, to the effect of the value of generating wealth, generating money within local community. Because now, okay, we are talking of this small part in South Africa, but this can actually comfortably be enlarged to other parts of Africa uh, where we have some of these challenges, where there are resources in the land, these resources are tapped, but the local people never benefit from it. Uh, so now these local people are suffering and they need a solution. You know, a good example would be in the Niger Delta of Nigeria, uh, where uh, the oil is being explored, uh, but the people are, are in poverty and the resources is rich. But that is sort of uh, a kind of irony uh, in that you cannot, be, you cannot be living in the water and you are dying of thirst. So I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Uh, Absolutely. 
Uh, I would rather say at this juncture that uh, what princes have started or crafted for the local community or communities is uh, recommendable because um, these days, a kingdom existing without money has no power. I have often said in my previous interviews that in Africa, the problem we have is that those who have the brain has no money. And those who has money have no brain. But if you have money and brain together, then it becomes formidable. And when it becomes formidable, you anchor these two elements. Then it means that what you are chasing and what you wish to achieve will be expedited. So in this regard, I will ask the princess to replicate these same ideas in different kingdoms as we will be visiting very soon. We are actually going to carry out a familiarization visit and intro visit to several African kingdoms with the princess of Africa very soon. In that process, I would encourage her, like you know, during my time, it was a problem for me to step foot strongly, solidly, because it was the first time that the paramount chief of Africa was created. So I have eased off the road for the princess. At least she has a platform to operate. And the first princess of Africa has done equally. So it is no longer a new mission, but rather it is a trading path that she has to follow. And as she goes with this path, I will always be her backbone. I will always support her to replicate whatever that she has done on the local ground into international levels. Having said that, there are several communities in Africa that are waiting for the arrival of the princess with anticipation of such projects that she is talking about here. Such as I explained also in the previous interview about monetizing, monetizing in Congo DLC. Monetizing took place already. So some of these projects and processes that we are passing through might be delayed, but not denied. I repeat, might be delayed, but not denied, due to some of them are new processes that we are injecting into the royal processes, into the royal operational systems. Having said this, I conclude or resolute that in resolution, I am saying that the princess of Africa should replicate and I will empower her as much as I can to replicate these ideas in international level because they are recommendable. Asante. Thank you so much for that.
All right, now to the presence. How are the local people reacting to this proposal that you might have been uh, proposing to them about this new way of looking at the resources available to them and the possibility of generating income for themselves from their land so they can live better? Because I believe at the end of the day, why you are doing this is because you want the quality of life of the people to be improved. But the people themselves, how are they even reacting to this? What are they telling you in terms of this possibility? Um, our people, they never believe in themselves because of what was uh, put and taught all of our lives, especially as the Africans, that uh, I can't survive without being employed by a white man. And the time you start to bring these programs to them, the first thing they ask you, uh, so when are we getting paid? Um, it's, it's, it's such a very challenging um, uh, journey. And I still, that is still going to take some time, but we are not stopping because once you start with one community and there's something that is happening, already you are starting to multiply the minds in a good and in a right direction. There will be those that they will still not believe in it, that no, you're wasting your time. I'm hungry now, I need money now. I need to take my kids now to school. And you are still telling me I must start to clean my yard so that I can prepare for farming. That's going to take time, you know? So it's, it's not easy at all. So most of the time, what then I was usually doing, I was really assisted by the, some of the departments of our government here that maybe they can give some sort of like a stipend. So on whatever program that I'll be then introducing, it will be, it will be accompanied by a stipend. I mean, that is not much, but that little that they know that at the end of the month they are going to get, then they stand up and come. But if there's no stipend, even if you just want to teach them, you want to carry a workshop, they won't attend. So it's still very, very difficult. And I know that even if going forward, taking these uh, programs to the whole of Africa internationally, this, this, this mindset that it was, transferred to us by our great-grandparents uh, generationally, that uh, for us to be taken seriously, I must go to school, yes, that is good, and then I must be employed by a certain big company, but not that I can start my own company and grow it to be big, just like the same company that they expect me to go and work at. So it's the community, it's not easy to work with the community. I've always said that, but we don't stop. We, we try our best to work with them and help where we can. And mostly, even if you get 10 good results, you have, you have, you have achieved a lot because those 10 results will multiply into another 10 and another 10. And that's how we are able to say our, our, our nation will change their mindset. All right. So like I was saying, His Majesty, if you could, if, if His Majesty can please explain what can be the strategy to be able to get this message across to the people in a way that um, they can believe in it and work on it to be able to generate income for themselves, because that is the objective at the end of the day. So they can have 
so that their, their standard of living can improve through the resources that is available on their land. All right. Um, like uh, I referred earlier, we are making use of the orders of the days. And the orders of the day is technology. We have several platforms and we have several communication or communi uh, communicating methods and mediums. Because you know, in the past, we use what we call the town criers, the gong to convey messages. It's no more like that these days. We are using or taking advantage of what we have, which is technology. And that which we have that we are taking advantage of is the platforms we have. But like I earlier mentioned, we are going to be carrying out familiarization and intro visit to several kingdoms. And that is with me and the princes of Africa. In that way, we will live and direct, communicate the messages, and she will replicate whatever that she has done locally here in South Africa into their kingdoms. And better still, raise a particular person in that kingdom that we have visited that will be in constant chat with her to replicate the idea. And so that person becomes her arm in that kingdom. This is how we want to carry it out physically. Then financially, we are calling this time around on philanthropists of Africa regions. Why if in the past I had said, we want Africa for Africans, and by Africans. And having said that, it then means that if we want Africans for Africans and by Africans, the financial aspect also has to be done by Africans. It doesn't have to be a Western support. It has to be an indigenous support. And by so doing, we can be proudly Africans. We can emerge proudly Africans because we are able to handle our issues. I keep saying in most interviews that we had previously that there is nothing as such like I even had said it in the stand of Pan-African. I have said it in the stand of AU. I have said that as far as Africans is concerned, we must learn to be proudly Africans by standing together the way we used to be formidably. You know, there is no such like we are having issues and we are expecting foreign intervention. Foreign interventions will not solve our problems as Africans. 
foreign helps would not make us proudly. So at this juncture, I say to you, we are calling on local brothers and sisters. And when I say Africans, it does not exclude the diaspora because we have our diasporan African brothers. They are not Westerners. They are the product of slave trade. And so they are part of Africa. So we are going to call on the foreign, uh, sorry, we're going to call on our diasporan brothers. We are going to call on Africans indigenously to come in and support this whole movement of the paramount chief of Africa and the princess of Africa into the kingdoms of Africa financially. Thank you so much, uh, His Majesty. Um, I was uh, I, I, I was thinking about the ceremony. I don't know if there is anything you would like to to say about that. Yeah, the, the ceremony took place on the 19th of December locally. Okay. Yeah, but we are still going to have a bigger one by, um, I suppose it's by June eh? or July, right? Okay, we're going to have a bigger one that will now bring the whole African kings to South Africa. Mm -hmm. I don't know if His Majesty want to say anything about that event that took place on the 19th of December, which is the coronation of, uh, of Her Majesty. Uh, the Princess of Africa. Is there anything we, we should learn about that? Yes, it was uh, very traditional. It was um, a review of African culture. And as a custodian of culture tradition of Africa, I was impressed with what I saw locally, the local displays, the dance, the power that was there. In fact, the, the compound at which it was celebrated brought us home to Africa. It shows that Africa still keep their heritage. It was very, very rooted in an African way. You know, 100% Africa the dressing, the environment, the food setup, the dance, the speeches, the activities, and the power that flow spiritually. It was powerful. And most people who visited were very impressed. And they say, bravo, let this continue more grease to your elbows. Because when you do things like this, it then say to us that the reason why we are here as Africans are still there. The root has not been lost because the culture, the tradition, and the customs of people were revealed on that day. In fact, it was, it was uh, a kind of uh, replicant of what happened some years back. 
you know, when I mean some years back, was the day myself was coronated. That was the move of the spirit. That is the, what matters most. You know, when you talk about coronation, I want to explain this aspect. When you talk about coronation, uh, some people will just come up and think that coronation is just, uh, uh, what do you call it? Coming out and kneeling down and they put a blessing on you. It's not true. It's not coronation. Coronation goes through processes. And when it goes through processes, you are then calling on our ancestors. The power will be revealed and available on the ground of the coronation. That is what is called coronation. It's not just put on the dress, put on the ornaments and, and royal regalians, and say you've been coronated. No, there is what is called impartation. So she was imparted heavily that day. And uh, we will try and give you a cut of the video for you to have that portion and see what exactly happened. We'll just give you a short video on that. It was powerful. There was move of the spirit in conclusion. All right. I want to ask uh, Royal Majesty. Uh, now, um, this is a mission. You know, when you have been selected, uh, when you have been picked from among many uh, to be crowned uh, a princess, uh, you become ambassador for the people. Uh, yes, that is an honor. Yes, but that is also a responsibility. But I want to understand what is your feeling? What, how do you feel being the princess of Africa? And how do you look at the responsibility uh, going forward? Please explain that part. Uh, when I got um, the proposal of uh, being uh, made a princess of Africa, I was then asked, and I also asked to have two weeks in my prayers to ask my God and my ancestors, if should I, is it my position or not? And obviously I will never be ready for such, but in terms of asking that, it will come with an answer that yes, my daughter, you can go on, we'll be with you all the way, or no, not yet, you are not ready because of this and that. But uh, before the 14th day um, of my prayer finished, on the 11th day, I had a revelation. And the revelation, it never said, now you are ready to be a princess of Africa. But the revelation was, these are the people that are waiting for you. And your path has been done and is ready. So that was my confirmation. Till now, I'm still having goosebumps when I think of the position because it's not just an easy, easy position. It has a lot of responsibilities. These are the children of God. These are human beings that uh, you must be somebody who is very honest in everything that you do. You cannot just promise them things that it won't happen. 
and I just have the confidence only knowing that the appointment, it was done by heaven. And once anything is done from there, you are already paved the way for you. And whatever obstacles that I will meet, that will still give me confidence that I was chosen from heaven and God chose me to walk on this path. So I can't say it's something that I will ever in a hundred million years say I'll be ready for. But now I am doing it and I'm confident that everything will work according to the plans and the will of God. I don't know if uh, His Majesty would like to say something to the effect of what is the process of actually choosing uh, a princess or the princess of Africa? But we are moving towards the end now. I don't know if you want to say something about that. Yes, uh, what she just mentioned, there are some things that we don't talk. In fact, the coronation started 14 days before the day people knew about it. So these are spiritual exercises that I didn't want to talk about. But anyway, she has already mentioned it, so I will then talk about it. In the process of choosing her, we, we have sampled other people, looked at other people, considered so many factors, and then we say, no, these are not the rightful people. Among the three others, we chose her. And when I say we, means it's, I'm not the only one. It's not that I'm using a vocal power or being authoritative because I am the paramount chief of Africa. No. In Swal Federation, we have the gathering of the kings and chiefs, royalties, queen mothers, and all that of all parts of Africa. So she was duly selected. And when she was then selected, there is some spiritual exercise given to her, which is part of what she mentioned to you. She was then told, she was, she was being told that, you know what? Go now for seven to 14 days and be secluded. That is secretion. Pray, fast and ask if you are the rightful person to be here. And in those exercises, it is an exercise of spiritual beauty, preparation for the position that she was about to emerge, which she's now there, coronated. So it is a spiritual process and exercise. We don't just say, you are coronated this day. No, the day that people saw was now a fulfillment of what has already been accumulated on the past 14 days. There are some exercises that were not even shown in the camera during her coronation. So there are several preparation steps. This is what I want to say. Just like when I was coronated, 
The day I, I came out was not the day I was coronated. The day I came out, I even people could see that I was very drowsy. Why? Because I just stepped down from the top of a mountain down to the people. And people gathered already. I was exhausted. But I had to complete that coronation physically on the, on the ground and put on my ornament to acclaim the position as the paramount chief of Africa. So the same process was what the princess of Africa has undergone. Thank you so much, yeah, His Majesty. Uh, if I, you see, only on this part, we could spend an entire uh, day just talking about it. You know, some people might think it's not important. It is important. Even within um, within the academians of Africa, we need to talk about these things. We need to write it down, at least part of it, so that our children can have it to read. There are processes. It's not just uh, like His Majesty said. It's not just, uh, okay, today we do the ceremony. That is it. No, there are preparation for it. There are, like, there are days for it. There are, there, is the, uh, there are the grooming for it. It, it, there are a lot of things that goes into that. But if we don't say it, people don't know. Perhaps, maybe there is no need to talk about it. I don't know, but I'm just thinking that as a human being, as an African, I think it is important that we have a documentation of this process, or at least what actually is going on here so that people can understand. Because, you know, just now, we'll be saying uh, Africans don't value their culture. But if they don't know what is evil inside this culture, whereas... Uh, a lot of books are coming about Western culture, explaining there. You only believe what you see, what you know. The other one will say, okay, maybe they don't, we don't tell them. And so they don't, they don't know. And if they don't know, they don't value it. Anyway, um, I know I'm overblowing the issue. This one can be for another day. Um, no, you, you, you actually, uh, being, if I had to interject there, please, you are please. actually preempting what I wanted to ask you for, I wanted to say to you, we need to document it. We need to have a proper way of documenting our royal proceedings and procedure in terms of coronation, just for the, for the next generation to, to know and have it written. And because if they don't have it written, Royalties will never be gone on the on the surface of the earth, and if do, they do not have the process of coronating a, a a royalty, then it means they will do it the wrong way. We are more uh, more of the Westerners already, whereas we are Africans, and I often say that we become the sympathizers that cries more than the bereaved, and what does that mean? We are copycats as Africans. We are copycats. We are copying more than what we should be copying as Africans. No, it's wrong. It is a time for all of us to sit down tight and defend, hold, and uphold our cultures, traditions, and customs of Africa. In other ways, we need to put it down. We need to write it down so that in future, we can always know that we have something kept. We have something kept for our generation to come. 
And that is what they have to inherit. That is heritage. I'm really fully into this. I, I love it. What, what would be uh, his um, the final statement here to conclude the conversation? Then, of course, I'm going to ask also Her Majesty, Her Royal Majesty, to say, some, to say something in, in line of what can be the, the final statement. So this is the concluding part. Uh, okay, maybe let me go to, to her first. Uh, to Her Royal Majesty, what would be your, your final statement here? It can be you want to reinforce a line, you want to leave a message, you want to uh, say something to the effect of uh, in relation to what we have said today. Please go ahead and do that. Okay. Uh, what I would like to say is that the struggle in Africa still continues. Um, so many things that because uh, you don't listen or you hear about them, but they're still happening. Today we talk of uh, diaspora but then we are still facing in Africa other countries that are still sold as slavery. So these are the these are the things that we really need to know as Africans that the struggle is still continuing and we must still unite and fight all of that. The, the most important part when uh, the Paramount chief uh, spoke to me said, did you know that all of us as Africans, we are one and we were separated by the borders in order so that then they can be able to control us. And today we find killings, especially even in South Africa, calling another black man with names of being a foreigner, whereas they are in Africa. So the struggle, it's is still continuing that we have to be teaching and making people to understand that we are one as Africans. And with the issue of uh, oppression and slavery, we still need to fight and it must end. So with this word, I'll just say the struggle. Aluta, continue. Aluta, continue. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right, now is the turn of His Majesty. What would be your final thought here to conclude the conversation? Well, my final thought is that it is not over until it's over in Africa. As Africans, let's come together and have a formidable effort at all times. We should not see ourselves as foreigners in Africa. There are no foreigners in Africa. This is our land. And um, we are not running away. We're not going anywhere. We will remain to make sure that the culture, traditions, and customs of our forefathers, our ancestors, are upheld till the dying day, to the last day. And as the paramount chief of Africa, I will always stand on my ground to make sure that the culture is replicated, duplicated, and handed over to the next generation. At this point, I say to all listeners and watchers, Santisana, Habariza, uh, Ajona, because we're almost getting towards the evening, Uhuru, Africa, and together we shall stand as Africans. Thank you very much. 
Thank you so much, His Majesty. I thank you so much also to Her Majesty. It has been an honor uh, talking to you, to both of you. Uh, we are always happy to hear from, from you and to learn new, uh, new things uh, about our culture, about our heritage. Thank you so much and have a beautiful time in South Africa. Thank you very much. Asante. Thank, thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A14. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.